Welcome to The Tech That Connects Us, a podcast dedicated to the stories of leaders in the technology industries that bring us closer together, specifically content and media, satellite and news space, connectivity and cybersecurity. Your hosts are me, John Clifton, Laurie Scott and Will Trenchard, the founders of Nuco, a specialist global recruitment and executive search firm focused on these exact industries. We love being a part of them and we're excited to share these stories with you. Welcome to the Tech That Connects Us. Today, your host is me, Laurie Scott, alongside Euron Lawrenson, who works alongside me here at Nuco. We're delighted to be joined today by Brian Pemberton, Vice President for Sales and Marketing at OmniSpace. Brian brings more than 20 years of experience in global wireless, terrestrial and satellite communications, having worked as Vice President and General Manager at Iridium Communications. Um, Brian has also held senior marketing and engineering roles at commercial and military of aviation leaders like Arink, which are now part of Colin Aerospace. Brian is now leading the corporate sales and marketing activities for new space provider Omnispace, um, who are redefining mobile connectivity for the 21st century. In this role, he's responsible for establishing the global distribution, the strategy, and developing the product marketing strategy and building a brand for the world's first seamless 5G one global network. Welcome to the show, Brian. Delighted to have you join us today. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you for having me. I very much look forward to our discussion. It's, it's been a long time coming and likewise. So yeah, really looking forward to it. So, so Brian, what we're going to do now um, to get the story started, we like to go back to the beginning. So how and why did you get into the satellite industry? Uh, yeah, that's, that's a, certainly an interesting one. And I think the satellite industry kind of found me more than I found the satellite industry. Yeah. But uh, you referenced there in the, the introduction, my, my time at Airink, um, yeah. where we were uh, managing and deploying air-to-ground communication networks for the aviation industry around the world. And uh, satellite was a component of the portfolio that we had at that time in our communications. Yeah. And I was uh, tasked as one of my uh, many different duties at the company to explore uh, this kind of new burgeoning satellite technology, or in this case, provider, uh, Iridium, to see if that uh, was an appropriate fit to expand our portfolio of communications options. And through part of that activity and engagement and evaluating that for uh, appropriateness for aviation and our customers, and primarily in the business and commercial aviation segment, I really got to understand satellite communications and much deeper. Um, yeah. And then when the opportunity was available to me to join the team at Iridium, uh, I leapt at that and uh, kind of started my foray here in the, the satellite side of the, the telecom industry for, uh, for nearly the past 15 years now. Fantastic. So um, you've probably seen a lot of changes over that time. So I want to sort of pass you over to Ewan now, um, keeping with the past. Ewan, over to you. Yes, thank you, Laurie, and uh, good to have you here, Brian. Um, yeah, continuing on down down that route of uh, the past and learning more about you and yourself, I'm very keen to kind of delve a bit deeper, see kind of what shaped you, why and how. Um, so I'm wondering, Brian, have, have there been any specific moments of inspiration or any kind of, you know, influential individuals that really kind of captured your imagination and, and kind of influenced you throughout your career? Um, certainly there's been some influential individuals uh, from starting my career at Air Inc. I uh, had uh, the good fortune to work with a very uh, diverse group of individuals 
And I would say there was um, a couple supervisors or, or managers I had along the way in my nearly decade-long uh, tenure there that really were, were not just, again, supervisors, but really mentors, helped show me um, the industry, but also you know, how to be a professional, how to engage proactively with others, and really kind of you know, how to find success in my career and to think a bit about, you know, where do you want to go in your career? What motivates you? Um, and you don't necessarily want a job just to have a job, but you want something that you really, you know, have, gives you passion. Um, and then also, you know, in my, my time in the satellite industry at Iridium and now at Omnispace, also have had the, the great fortune to work with many great people, um, some real, you know, true thought in uh, industry leaders and be able to, you know, have, uh, direct access to these individuals to kind of learn at their side um, and, you know, have them kind of take you under their wing from time to time and, and point you uh, both personally and professionally of, you know, their experiences and uh, things maybe they've done differently or would have done differently and how, you know, I can try to take those into account. Um, I'd say, you know, one of the things that drives me is to the idea of always keep learning and I don't just mean that, you know, kind of a technology or, or, or academic environment, but also, you know, from individuals professionally, from their experiences and uh, how, how to, uh, you know, learn from, from those and to uh, enjoy what I'm doing and to have greater success. Oh, wonderful. I think um, that's great. I mean, there are, there are so many innovative individuals in this industry and, and there's some great collaboration as well. And I think that all can kind of, kind of come together to create something really good. And I'm wondering, kind of following on from that, um, Brian, you know, whether there are any kind of moments in your career that you would say you're most proud of, any kind of, you know, particular achievements, shall we say? Um, certainly. Uh Going back, uh, you know, to uh, I referenced a, a few minutes ago, my, my time at Iridium, I'm sorry, my time at Eric and kind of one of my last assignments there was to evaluate the appropriateness for Iridium uh, in the satellite or in the aviation communications environment. And, uh, you know, in doing that evaluation, it was, it was kind of, there's two elements of success that I kind of look back and reflect fondly on. One was, a conversation with the team at Iridium. They were introducing a new service, data service. Uh, today is known as short burst data. And they were proposing it in a particular way um, that would have made it very difficult to adopt for aircraft communications. And so myself and uh, the, the CEO of one of the um, other uh, Iridium aviation partners had a call with the team at Iridium and it kind of laid out the case is like, you're doing this and we, we absolutely, you know, believe it and want to adopt it. We think it's the right path forward, but you need to you know, do it slightly differently than you're thinking for us to really be able to make this work in, in aviation. And the delta between you adopting our proposal and not could be kind of a make or break moment. And after, you know, a couple of calls and, uh, you know, I think a very constructive discussion, I think Iridium, you know, kind of uh, saw, saw what we were speaking to and the way for them to accommodate what we were asking. And so we were able to, you know, successfully kind of move that needle from a proposed solution to a solution that really met the needs. And uh, so that sort of advocacy program and having success in that, which really, you know, kind of unlocked the opportunity in aviation that Iridium is enjoying today. Um, the other piece of, of that experience was then, you know, selling that, that concept uh, 
within the management team at at Eric. It was uh, you know a a new company, kind of a new technology, um, and and you know a lot of the questions. Well, we were already doing this. We have solutions. Why you know why a new one? Why a different one? Um, and be able to show that value and what the opportunities were was probably the first time in my career I felt like I was really employing all of the elements uh, from what kind of my MBA and, and other things into, you know, kind of the first time kind of, you know, although as an internal audience, wearing that sales hat and, and having to advocate for that and, and having that success uh, to kind of start to, you know, stand up a new business. Um, you know, following that and moving to my time at, at Iridium, uh, you know, initially when I joined the company, it was, you know, my focus was in aviation and then later uh, maritime as well. But advancing um, the Iridium activities through or the network through the, the, the due diligence and the evaluation with the FAA so and with other uh, air traffic organizations around the globe for it to be adopted and embraced for air traffic control communications, uh, I think was a, a major success and being the first time that that was done um, since, you know, MRSAT was evaluated for the FANS technology in the early 90s. So it was about 15 years um, and since the FAA had done that. And that was a multi-year effort that led to success. And then a couple of years later, you know, kind of leading the company through a GMDSS evaluation and approval ultimately on the maritime side, again, safety of services that really hadn't been done or undertaken by the International Maritime Organization uh, in nearly 40 years in that case. And so, um, you know, kind of helping redefine not just how Iridium uh, is used by its customers in the aviation and maritime environments, but also in, you know, how customers and the industry as a whole kind of reflect uh, on their services and their capabilities as a company and the quality that they can provide. Wonderful. Those are great moments there. Um, and, you know, I think with Iridium, just to be a part of them is, is just an incredibly interesting thing anyway. Um, you know, I've recently been reading some eccentric orbits and things like that, but you see, you know, they've kind of captured the imagination a lot, you know, and it's, uh, yeah, no, great, great, some great achievements. Well, look, I'm going to move it on to um, a very interesting section now. Um, so we've kind of heard about your, your past and um, some achievements there, um, but we want to look at the present now. Um, and I'm going to hand that over to Laurie to discuss. Yeah, thank you. And, and Brian, I mean, you just touched on it um, earlier. You've worked with some very interesting entrepreneurs and characters in the industry. And I was just thinking, Matthew Desch, um, we've got Jay Yaz, who's a big character. Um, so now sort of moving on to Omnispace. So I had the pleasure to visit the offices in, in Tyson's a few years back. Um, and I know Jay's been a, a big advocate, very passionate about the company. I think he was telling me at the time you brought in a new beer pump. Um, he was quite proud of that in, in the office. Um, <laughs> but when, when, when you talk to him about Omnispace and the vision, it was, it was um, yeah, it was thrilling to hear, really. So can you tell the audience more about um, Omnispace um, and how the company is going to be reinventing connectivity worldwide? Absolutely. <clears throat> so, yes, the, uh, the the beer tap was installed a couple of years ago, and unfortunately, <laughs> it's, it's gone latent here for the last 12 plus months as uh, COVID has kept us out of the office. Um, but no, when, when uh, you know, I first met Jay and, and he was sharing with me that he had joined the Omnispace um, and I had known him from his time in Intelsat. And I was really yeah. trying to understand, like, what, what motivated you? You know, what, what was this about? And he started to share with me, um, you know, what, what Omnispace 
had as assets, what the, the thinking was there, who the, the leadership team was like, well, that sounds like a really compelling opportunity. Maybe I should be part of this too. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but it's, it's been a great joy working with, with Jay and the OmniSpace team. And as we really do have um, this, this precious asset and, and the, the, uh, the, the spectrum filings and, and the utility that that can bring and we, we've, you know, studied here for much time as to what's the best way we can bring to bear, you know, a satellite-based service using, using this critical asset. Yeah. And we were, you know, we, Jay, myself, and other members of the team have many years of experience in the satellite and the telecom industries. Yeah. And it was very much, how do we take everything that we've learned with our, you know, collective, you know, decades, a hundred probably plus years of experience and not make those same mistakes. You know, we all have the opportunity to say uh, now, and we're with OmniSpace. You know, if I knew if I knew then what I know now, and at OmniSpace we had that opportunity to kind of start day one. We yeah. knew now what 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 you know what other you know companies had done in the past, and, and maybe didn't uh, pan out the way they had intended. And so, from the very outset, it was how do we think about things differently from a technology perspective, from a distribution perspective, from which markets are we trying to serve perspective. Yeah. And, and from, you know, really the technology was, was one of the initial elements that said, you know, we didn't want to do something proprietary. We, we wanted to say, let's move to standards base, look at all the success and proliferation that wireless technology has had in our everyday lives you know, starting with pagers and the phones and now smart devices and, and IOT. Yeah. We want to be on that path. We want to have that kind of track record and success. And so that's driven us to a standards-based solution. Um, the industry, the wireless industry as a whole has been working on this technology uh, they call NTN or non-terrestrial networks. And it's yeah. really about adapting 5G to uh, natively support communications directly from device to satellites. And the, the assets and the thinking and the approach we have line up perfect with that vision. And so we're you know, full, wholeheartedly embracing that, <clears throat> that concept and bringing that to bear, but also you know, not as a standalone entity, but really it's about merging and harmonizing or unifying the satellite and the terrestrial technology into one network. Parties just want ubiquitous connectivity. We don't care how it's achieved. Yeah. Yep. We just want it to work everywhere. Everything, everyone can relate to that. And that's really our vision. That's our mission. That what we're, that's what we're working towards. And we think we have a unique combination of individuals and assets to, to make this a reality. Fascinating. Um, and I think over the last, what, 13, 14 months, it's, it's become more apparent that the, the demand is there um, and there's so much potential. So thank you so much for that. Excellent. Um, and then recently there was the, um, the recent sort of announcement with OmniSpace and Lockhead Martin um, sort of entering a, a strategic agreement to, to sort of develop the 5G capabilities from space. Um, are you able to go into a little bit more detail around that sort of partnership? Uh I can a bit. I mean, yeah. fundamentally, um, Lockheed and OmniSpace share a common vision of the the value and utility that 5G can deliver from space. Yeah. And so their deep expertise in the, the satellite industry and, and satellite technology um, and also 
you know, understanding of a unique set of, let's say, customers or constituents that are more on the, the government, possibly you know, defense and civil um, side where OmniSpace is more focused on maybe the commercial enterprise yeah. kind of constituents. We really, you know, have a tremendous amount of synergies in, you know, us on the OmniSpace side kind of pushing, you know, the art of the possible, where we think technology is going to go and, and how do we get there. And, you know, Lockheed, um, you know, embracing and endorsing that while keeping us grounded into, you know, what's 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 an appropriate risk versus what's a kind of a bridge too far. Yeah. Um, and and so and also, you know, making sure that we're understanding the the requirements of, you know, beyond just the enterprise and, and the retail customers. So that if we're going to go through this tremendous effort to build this, you know, highly capable system, mm. let's make sure that we're integrating everyone's requirement set at the outset, because it doesn't make sense for anyone to have bespoke solutions. So how do we get to a common infrastructure that supports everyone's objectives? And, yeah. and really that's kind of, you know, the, the underpinning of, of our collaboration and we look forward to, you know, uh, further work with them and uh, hopefully, you know, some significant successes here in the near future. Fantastic. Brilliant. I mean, you've touched on it earlier. If you look at the people that have come together at OmniSpace, that you've been there, you've seen it, you've, you've gone through a lot of challenges um, that the industry sort of changed over those years. But there's there's still a lot of opportunities and you probably learn uh, for all these mistakes along the way. So exciting times ahead. Absolutely. I, when I kind of reflect on the commercial satellite industry, you know, from its inception, uh, really with like Intelsat and Inmarsat and yeah. up to where we are today. And <clears throat> certainly it's gone through some interesting cycles. Um, but I think we are at a major inflection point in, in the industry uh, here. It, it's, it's probably been happening and I think it will continue to happen over the next few years. Mm. But we've We've gone from, you know, the concept of how do we support communications where, you know, terrestrial infrastructure couldn't. So, you know, it was maritime was an initial focus. Yeah. Then it was, you know, some far off spaces. Um, maybe there was redundancy for, for natural disasters or some of those kind of things. Mm. Um, and then all of a sudden aviation kind of embraces concepts as well. Yeah. Say, hey, we're operating in those same areas. How do we do that? Um, but now, if you, if you really think about what OmniSpace is doing and, you know, where our focus is, uh, and, and really this is aligned with, with that of the, the mobile telecom industry, mm. a lot of the use cases we're looking at supporting, the mass market adoption that we're pushing for, are really in the terrestrial environments. It's not about, you know, the, the, what's the, the next, you know, solution for the sailor or the vessel or the next aircraft. Yeah. It's how do we enhance and improve you know, service for the billions of us that are, you know, on, on, you know, dirt and earth each day, as well as just the proliferation of the, of the digital world through IOT and end to end machine to machine type communications. Yeah. And so that's really where we think, uh, you know, a, a tremendous amount of value add can, can occur, but to realize that and really to, you know, you know, unlock the, the maximum potential of 5G and future G services, it's about having this harmonized solution between the satellite yeah. and the terrestrial. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's, you know, really where, where we're looking at and, and focusing. Um, and I think that adoption of standardization um, from, you know, proprietary solutions, which has been kind of satellite from the outset, mm -hmm. um, 
is a major inflection point. That if, if we are successful, we do move forward with mass adoption and having this harmonized solution, terrestrial and satellite. I don't want the world when we look back 10 years from now, I think we're all going to be, how did we ever, you know, not have this before? I don't think there is a going back. This is kind of a, yeah. a point of no return for wireless communications. Yeah. Um, and then when you layer on top of that, all the advances in satellite technology from small sats to different forms of propulsion, other kind mm. of material advances that allow for, uh, you know, more powerful, lower cost, lighter weight solutions yep. uh, from production into all the materials, the, 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 the thought process around, you know, not just, you know, what does it take to do satellite, but then also the role that satellite can play in everyday lives, I yeah. think is, is dramatically changing right now. And that's, um, that's fantastic for the industry. It should be an uplift to the industry as a whole. And, and hopefully, you know, OmniSpace will be one of the ones that, that help reset that, think, reset that thinking as much as we describe, you know, redefine mobile communications here for the, for the next century. Yeah, yeah I, I totally agree. I mean, it's so exciting. I mean, the amount of opportunities out there um, and what companies are doing right now, there's a massive buzz. Um, this, and that sort of ties in nicely, really, to the future. So, um, yeah, thanks, Brian. Really sort of fascinating. Okay, Ewan, over to you. Thank you. Yes, um, I just want to say, you know, I th what, what I love about kind of connectivity missions like this is is kind of the inclusivity and the and the kind of the opportunity for everybody to be a part of um, of the connected world. And um, you know, when we think about the future, I think you know a very interesting concept in in any industry, but particularly in industries like ours. Um, and you mentioned Brian, you know, we'll we'll, we'll get to 10, 10 years time and we'll look back and we'll say how how did we not have this. How do we get there? Um, what does the future hold in the next 10 years, for example, for OmniSpace? What are your plans? What, what should we expect? No, ex excellent question. So right now, um, you know, we're, we're diligently working on what is our next generation, you know, space infrastructure, network infrastructure look like to take this technology concept, this 5G MTN, and make it a reality. Um, also, we recognize, and again, this is kind of learning from experiences, we don't want to go build this tremendous, you know, satellite infrastructure and then start to figure out, okay, who are going to be the users and, and what are going to be the devices they use to do that. So we've got, you know, uh, very, you know, active acti activities and engagement with other ecosystem partners is who's going to build, you know, effectively the radios and the chipsets that are going to, you know, work on these two networks. What are, what devices is those going to end up being employed in? And then ultimately, who's going to be the distribution channel? How do we get this in the hands of, of millions and billions of users worldwide? Um, so all of that is very active right now. I'm happy to say we're having you know, significant uh, positive reception and success on that front. And, but also, you know, the, the big element is now we need to proceed with the satellite infrastructure as well. So, you know, the, I'm not sure if you're aware, but uh, 3GPP, kind of the standards body, is uh, currently very close to concluding kind of the, the first set of standards for NTN um, solutions. And so, you know, we're, we're actively participating in that uh, standard development, um, but also, you know, taking guidance from that group is to say, you know, how do we uh, successfully implement and demonstrate this, this solution from orbit? It's one thing to see that it's there and understand the ecosystems there, um, but this is kind of, you know, when people see it, feel it, touch it, that's, you know, when we'll really see kind of the enthusiasm and adoption happen. 
So we're you know looking at a phased approach towards our, our you know, commercial implementation to the one global network, and so we're we're progressing through that now. Active, very active uh, engagement on um, our next set of, of uh, satellite assets to prove this uh, 5G direct-to-device communication from satellite and how that can work harmoniously with terrestrial networks. And then we look to scale that activity uh, to a, uh, a global commercial solution, working with uh, a number of MNOs uh, on the distribution and uh, requirement sets. Brilliant. Big things to come. Uh, looking forward to kind of witnessing this uh, pan out. And um, making it more about, let's say, the, the kind of the wider market, the, the, the industry as a whole, are there any kind of... Um, areas that you see is kind of showing a lot of potential outside of this, you know, what might be the next big thing, for example? That's an excellent question. I think there's a little bit of a divergence in the industry right now. Um, I don't know if it's philosophically, but seeing two kind of sets of business opportunities. One is there's, there's certainly a significant approach and interest around broadband, much higher speeds, much higher throughputs, um, in some cases, you know, the use case for that is you know, passengers and aircraft or passengers on vessels. Certainly that's, that's interesting. Um, some of it's viewed more as a backhaul solution to enable, you know, more terrestrial deployments uh, of wireless communications. And in some cases thinking of, you know, broadband to a specific uh, user device or user terminal, maybe it's mounted on a house, a school, a community to kind of enable, uh, you know, communications in, in that environment. And that's, you know, kind of one direction and one path. Um, you know, we're, we're on a different path. It's certainly we kind of understand and appreciate where that has a, a role and value. And you know, I think, you know, aircraft and vessels are, are kind of a classic one is really the direct to device. You know, there's all of us you know, in the world that have a device today. How can we enhance the value and utility of that device? There's, you know, going to be billions and billions of IoT and, and connected vehicles, assets, uh, you know, on the move, uh, you know, connected infrastructure, smart infrastructure around the globe. How do we enhance the value and the utility of, of those elements that truly allow, you know, all countries, all cities to optimize the, the efficiency and the utility of their infrastructure and assets? And that's really the role that we think we can play with this direct-to-device sort of solution especially integrating it with existing terrestrial networks that augment uh, the capacity and then kind of the, the urban uh, adoption that can be facilitated as well. Amazing, honestly. Um, and it, it must be very proud to, um, that kind of goes back to my other question, but you must have been quite proud to be involved in, in, in missions like this because they're going to have a genuinely positive effect on, on humanity, really, and society. Um, I think another, another thing... Um, that would have a positive effect on, on society moving forward um, is the topic um, uh, of diversity um, and kind of put diverse um, society with greater opportunities. So I'm going to pass over to um, Laurie to discuss uh, this section. Yeah, thank you, Ewan. So, um, so Brian, I mean, 20, over 20 years plus in the industry, um, you've probably seen many changes during your time across the, uh, I know Iridium had, had some sort of fantastic sort of um, opportunities to sort of address this. Um, what, what's your views on, on diversity and, and, and where do you see the gaps? Slight technical hiccup here. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sorry about that, guys. Don't um, worry, all good. No, <laughs> yeah, no diversity. You're you're absolutely right. It, the industry uh, has evolved quite a bit over the the last twenty years, and and continues. Um, in OmniSpace, I mean, we're firm believers that a diverse set of you know, backgrounds, experiences, skill sets, and perspective make us stronger as a company. And we bring that together in a collaborative fashion where everyone gets a voice. And it really helps us maximize kind of the understanding as to, you know, how are we inclusive and much to Ewan's point around the societal impact, the kind of solutions that we could have um, with this, this kind of technology. And, you know, how is it we can you know, kind of do well while doing good and having that, that diverse set of, you know, backgrounds, experience, um, and influences really helps us to take all of that into account, all people's, all interests, and, and um, you know, what their, their uh, objectives may be. But certainly, you know, I, and I and recall, you know, kind of my experience and my collegiate experience from my undergrad and electrical engineering, which is kind of a, a baseline for a lot of us who end up in the, the telecom and satellite industries. Yeah. Um, and there was very little diversity in, in you know, the, <laughs> in the students in those classes at that time, uh, you know, who, who was uh, a pretty uniform, um, you know, group. And then I look at the industry today and, and you know, the, the parties that are coming into it from not just around the world, but, you know, all different kind of walks of life. And it's, it's really exciting and encouraging um, to, to see how the, the industry has evolved and will certainly continue to evolve as, you know, many of these um, uh, new names and faces have their opportunity to progress for the industry and, and, and leave their stamp on it uh, as many of the others have that have come before them. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, it's got um, with the characters that are now involved or coming into the industry, it's got the next generation um wanting to be part of the the sort of the stems and and, and yeah learn learn new, new technology so um a topic we can discuss for hours but it's fantastic to see it sort of progressing and, and changing which is which is what's needed so um brilliant well brian that's the that's the hard stuff now we're going to sort of talk a little bit more about the softer side and, and more about you so uh yeah ewan over to you Thank you. Yes, it, this is um, forget about professional Brian now. Um, for the meantime, anyway, <laughs> it's 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 leisurely Brian is what we want to hear about. So, what would your perfect weekend look like? Perfect weekend. Um, well, coming off of a, a long holiday weekend here in the U.S., I would suggest again that uh, a long weekend is certainly a good start for a perfect weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, a sunny day or sunny days with a you know. Uh, light breezes um i love the the fall here and kind of the the east coast of, of the u.s where we have the leaves changing and just uh you know nature and, and all of its glory um the opportunity to you know be outside uh enjoy time with uh the kids and, and my wife and the family um you know just uh have you know a nice good meal and, and uh enjoy the the time and activities with them um Certainly, you know, they're, they're, they uh, gravitate toward the beach. So perfect week would probably mm-hmm. mean, you know, at least some time in the sand to, uh, to uh, keep them excited and, and just see uh, how much joy comes to their faces to engage in that. Oh, lovely. That sounds great. The, the sun and being outside and, and beaches, we, we, we do have all of that in the UK, but to a far lesser extent. <laughs> and our beaches <laughs> uh, are very stony. So <laughs> um, that sounds delightful. Um, 
Right, moving on to um, uh, the quick fire round now. So you need to think on your feet for this one. I'm going to pass you over to, to Laurie. Uh, good luck. Yeah, so I've got um, 10 questions, no particular order. Um, I would try to be as gentle as possible. So I think the first one we're going to ask, especially what's happened over the last 14 months, um, triumphed in lockdown or failed in lockdown? Uh, look at Omnispace, it's unquestionable to triumph. I mean, when... when uh, you know, real quickly, I know this is wrapping around, you know, uh, Jay and, and okay. I and some of yep. our colleagues were, were in the south of France, you know, executing a contract as they started shutting offices in Italy. And, and I think they started to shut offices in France the week after us and started to close borders. And so states with a perspective on COVID that probably many Americans didn't have because we were just seeing and hearing it on yeah. the news versus seeing you know people's faces who were, were seeing their lives impacted in europe you know frankly a couple of weeks ahead of us um and the, i mean we are a small company but we really proved our nimbleness we very quickly and successfully adapted to video conferencing working remotely um, and i think you you know seen some of our announcements and successes over that time completed mm -hmm. another major funding round led by fortress and yep. uh, signed or completed the the uh, strategic interest agreement with Lockheed Martin. Um, I, you know, I'd really have to say we we didn't miss a beat. Which uh, you know, you can only kind of look in hindsight and and kind of come to that conclusion or assessment uh, yeah. versus you know kind of when you're you're in the boat rowing. But uh, unquestionable, uh, you know, we we absolutely triumph for us. Fantastic, great to hear. Excellent. Okay, um, so here's one for you. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Oh, um, <laughs> anywhere in the world. I guess this is a little bit of a perspective of you know where I am in life. But let's let's assume that I'm I'm retired. Um, I think Tuscany. Uh, it's an area my wife and I both love, from the scenery to the weather to the food. Yeah. Um, if, if there's, you know, if you don't have to think about work and you can sit back and de every each day and enjoy, uh, the fruits of your labor, um, and that's, that's absolutely, I think, uh, gotta be tops on the list. Yeah. I like it. And great wine as well. Um, okay. Excellent. <laughs> um, family vacation. Favorite family vacation. Um, actually there's been so many, uh, I think I'd have to go to a couple years ago. Uh, it was my parents' uh, 50th wedding anniversary, and the whole family, we took an Alaskan cruise. Um, and it was, it was great to spend the time and celebrate that with, with the family, but also my kids. They were young at the time, uh, I think four and five, and uh, they got to, you know, walk on a glacier and, and see killer whales and sea lions and yeah. go fishing. And uh, that was their first cruise. So just so many wonderful unique experiences kind of packed into two weeks there with with family really spectacular fantastic uh, hopefully it's coming back excellent um what makes you laugh the most laugh the most um certainly it's my children um it, you know there's no question about that they're just uh, their boundless creativity and enthusiasm and while, you know, many a times they, they direct it in ways that <laughs> you wouldn't necessarily desire, they're so little, um, but it, it just, they, when their eyes are open to something or they kind of put two and two together for the first time and solve something, just yeah. the joy that they get um, makes me chuckle, but also warms my heart. Great to hear. Excellent. Um, what was the last movie that you watched? 
the last movie in the theater was uh, with the kids. We went to see Tom and Jerry not too long ago. Um, and they, they certainly got a big kick of that. And uh, my, my uh, brother-in-law also joined us. And it was interesting how us as adults, um, you know, who grew up on Tom and Jerry on, on the TV, still got a big kick out of it with the kind of the, uh, you know, the reinvention of it here for the biggest screen, uh, you know, 30, 40 years later. Yeah, because if you go back to some of the old classics, I mean, um, yeah, a lot of adult humor in the in the old Tom and Jerry's. Absolutely. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, what's your favorite game or sport to watch or play? Um, to watch these days, I think it's still American football. Um, grew up watching it, uh, have, you know, a, a strong affinity for our local team and as well as the, uh, the my uh, collegiate alma mater team. Um, and, and really just, you know, enjoy watching that. Unfortunately, I don't think I could play it much these days, uh, <laughs> given, <laughs> given, uh, um, you know, how I'm getting on. But, uh, so for playing these days, probably tennis, whole family we can do together and, yeah. and get, get time outside. So that's, uh, probably, uh, the, my two favorites there to, to watch and to play. Brilliant. Excellent. Okay. Would you rather, um, ride a bike, a horse or drive a car? Uh, I think that probably depends on the car, but I think probably ride a bike. Um, uh, horses is, is still a bit intimidating for me. Um, so I think it's the ride the bike. It's, uh, it's just more leisurely. Um, you know, the right car in an open road, the top down probably be uh, a close rival. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds great. Okay. Now this is the one I've really been looking forward to. Um, what would you sing at a karaoke night? What would be your song? Oh, what would be my song? Oh, boy. Um, probably Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. Great. Excellent. Yep. We'll talk about that later offline, but that's great. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, if you could have one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, one meal. Uh probably goes to the Tuscany concept um one meal I'm such a fan of sushi because there's so much diversity there but uh I don't know how much of that I'm going to really find in uh in in Tuscany um probably just go with like a, a basic uh you know uh pasta bolognese um there's just so many ways you can dress it up with flavors or, or different types of meats um but it never seems to disappoint no i totally agree i'm dribbling thinking about it excellent um i think i'm already gonna know this one netflix or disney disney <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally yeah we're we're definitely getting our values worth from uh, our subscription there yeah 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 we've been trying to show the kids all the old classics but um yeah, it's not as good as what it was back then, especially like Honey, You Shrunk the Kids. My kids were like, really? This is fake. This is terrible. So um, I blame CGI. <laughs> so, <laughs> so true. Excellent. Excellent. Well, um, thanks so much for this great insight. So now I'm going to pass you over to, to Euron for, for one final question. Thanks, Laurie. And uh, yeah, some interesting questions there um, and some interesting answers too. Um, but yeah, final question of the day. Um one that we ask everybody here. Um, what one piece of advice would you give to somebody entering the industry? 
Uh, I think it'd probably be you know the, the, the piece of advice to give to you know, almost anyone in you know, you know certainly coming out of school or or, or you know, looking to you know progress in their career. Uh, there's kind of two parts to it. Um, and I think it's you know kind of one I try to embrace myself is you know never get complacent to the point that you stop learning. You can always learn from almost everyone, every interaction in the career. Um, and, and certainly I know that's been true for me on my many travels around the globe and so many different people I've, I've dealt with from, you know, people brand new in the industry that might have a new perspective to those that have been here for, for decades and decades that kind of seen it all come and go. Um, and then the second component of that is, you know, as you're learning is, you know, don't, don't be deterred by, um, uh, you know, impediments. Don't don't be deterred by you know things don't always go your way. Every situation, uh, you know, every environment, every every job or role, you're going to have good days and bad days. So you know, again, learn from the bad days, um, but persevere, push. Uh, you know, don't necessarily take no for an answer. If if you truly believe in something, uh, you know, work at it, push at it. You know, don't don't throw in the towel. Uh, to, best pieces of advice I could impart to anyone, uh, you know, looking to you know, start their career or, or even advancing their career that they may have been around for a while is just keep pushing yourself, uh, you know, help push those around you and, and try to learn as you go. Fantastic. Brilliant. Well, Brian, it's been a, an absolute pleasure. Um, great to really get your thoughts and insights and um, like to thank Marie and Jay and, and yourself for sort of putting this all together. So I probably don't need to wish you um, uh, your Neomni space, space team any luck, really, because it feels like there's lots going forwards and um, exciting stuff to happen. So, yeah, thank you so much again. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you both. It's been a great experience. I've enjoyed it tremendously and I hope you guys have a great afternoon. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please do subscribe and give us a rating. It really helps these stories to be found and enjoyed by more people. For more information about NUCO, we can be found at www.neuco-group.com. You've been listening to The Tech That Connects Us.